Hello everybody, welcome to Ranked, the podcast where movie lovers come together to rank your favorite movies. Which movies will make you reach a cinematic orgasm, and which ones will leave a shit stain in the history of cinema? There's only one way to find out. Join us. My name is Caitlin Denny. I'm a filmmaker and archivist. And I'm Julian Vargas, filmmaker. Neither of us are professional film critics, but boy, do we have impeccable cinematic taste. We obsessively watch all the movies by one director, actor, writer, or under a particular theme, and rank them, telling you exactly what to think. Today we continue with part three of our three-part first episode covering the filmography of Paul Verhoeven. 1997's sci-fi action slash teen movie Starship Troopers follows the lives of a group of teenagers from a Buenos Aires high school after enlisting in the 23rd century's American military force. After a horrific head trauma incident, John Johnny Rico wants out, but is stalwarted by giant insect aliens attacking Earth. Neil Patrick Harris basically plays his first out character with military shoulder pads and swag, and Denise Richards gets her big break that unfortunately broke her, notably seen as a propagandist film, but perhaps misunderstood for which side Verhoeven is sympathetic to. Starship Troopers, it's a fun one. Um, he, this is off the tales of the disaster of Showgirls. I mean, you know, the box office disaster. And so you'd think he wouldn't, you know, he'd be taking it a little slow, a little easier, a little safer. No, he comes out with a bang after Showgirls and is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you guys. That's what this movie is to me. It's like him just be like, I don't care. He, I think he is no meme. I think Paul Verhoeven is no meme alone because he doesn't give a fuck what anybody thinks. And he really proves that with Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. Was this your first time watching it? No, it's probably okay. my second time watching it. Okay. Um, I enjoy this movie. This movie is great. Yeah. Um, it's a very smart script. Um, it reminds me, you know, he colla- it's with the same writer, I believe, from Robocop. This is his, uh, his, his first, uh, this is his movie against fascism. There were some critics that said, this is a movie for liberals to become brainwashed into fascists. That's what I was reading from critics wow. today. But I can definitely see... I mean, I think it's interpreted in so it many different ways. It can be interpreted in movie. so many other ways. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, I think it's pretty solid that it's... I don't think it's a pro... I don't think it's a pro-war movie. It's just... No. I mean, maybe because the heroes... Your heroes kind of become like this... Uh, these killing machines, and they just right. want to go to war over yeah, and over and again. And they're like, yeah, and they're all in it together, and then it ends, and you're like, oh. Yeah, um, but then they want to go to another war, another war. Yeah. But I thought it was a really interesting film, and it talks a lot about just indoctrination and just uh, mm-hmm. um, just building an enemy, because you get both sides. You get, like, for example, the teacher character. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of like right wing kind of teacher who's yeah. like telling them about becoming a citizen, what it yeah. meant to be a citizen, and and kind of like telling them like if you don't do your job, I will shoot you, and that kind of mentality. And and there was also yeah. kind of like another. They also show some of the other characters that have a different way of thinking, like the family of the main character. They yes. don't, they're not uh-huh. into the militarism. They don't seem to be into it, and they say and things. Jo- yeah, and Johnny doesn't want to be into at it at the beginning. And and they say things about like kind of like leave and let leave, like uh-huh. leave those people 
alone. Like leave those insects alone. It. Yeah. Uh -huh. Basically. But one of the things that I thought it was interesting, again, talking about indoctrination, is like also the use of the media. He again brings like she shows commercials and like yes. TV. I love when he does this. The it's propaganda so media. And um, and they show yeah. that scene where there there's these shots of kids uh, like stepping on, on roaches. Yes. Oh and, so cool. But that's the way it works. That's the way you start with the kids and yeah. you start indoctrinating and them. And you start and, little by little like a fucking TV ad or something well, on the television. And it's just like the same that we see right now and like things like Fox News. It can brainwash an entire... Like, you know, like everything is like anti-Muslim or anti-Mexican, yeah. anti anti-whatever. Yeah. It's always like us versus them kind of mentality. Yeah. And this movie exploits that. How this is, how this is used in our society to make us go to war. And, yes. and like, and, and separate people and and many of many times in a very nonsensical way. And I think Johnny, John, Johnny Rico is a good example of this person who is brainwashed because of the media and maybe in part because of his peers and yeah, all the girlfriend. joining them and then the girlfriend joining the military and stuff, peer pressure. And then he realizes after having a traumatic incident just in training, oh shit, this is real and this is awful and people are losing their lives. I don't want to be part of this anymore. And he has that moment. And then it's like, nope, aliens are coming to attack you. You have to, yeah, you have to, you're in this now. You're part of us now. You're part of the system now. It's too late. In a way, this is also his anti-imperialism movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we're doing in that movie. We're like, it's like, that's what they're doing. They're, they're going to other planets to colonize. They, it makes no sense what they're doing. It reminds me a lot of, I just thought of this, Mars Attacks, uh -huh. um, which actually came out in 1996, Starship oh. Troopers in 97, and there's something about those two movies. They should be screened together, I, I feel like. I want to watch Mars Attack. I remember liking it a lot yeah. when it came out. Similar kind of ideals, I think, political ideals coming across in these alien sci-fi movies. Um. Well, the production design is again beautiful. It's the same costume design as Showgirls. And the special and the effects are the, fucking oh. amazing. Like the rug, the, the, not the roaches, but like the, the insects or the whatever. Bugs, bugs, yeah. The bugs are so good. Yeah, it got an Academy Award nomination for best. Well deserved, and, 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 really and they that. and they definitely stand the test of time. It looks they do. Amazing. It looks great. I, Which proves time it. and time again. That Paul Verhoeven is a master of special effects. He, he knows is. what looks good. And that's a hard thing. I think that's something that's not that's taken into not taken into account so much with directors is like directing special effects and directing animation in a film. Um, and directing CGI animation too. That's it I I mean, I think it's really hard. I think it's it's a skill. It's, it's a skill you have to know how to communicate very exactly. well with people who aren't actors. You know, who maybe do a lot of work that actors do, especially animators and people who are mm -hmm. actually moving the bugs around and stuff. That's a type of actor, and you have to be able to communicate with them correctly. Um, so that's a whole other level that I think you're right. He's a master at doing that at this yeah. point. And we'll even get further into that with Hollow Man, too. Mm -hmm. But um, the I rewatched the trailer for the movie today, and I realized... I think this happens on a lot of Verhoeven movies. Like the trailers don't represent 
his vision for the film. They just get cut by the studio yeah. into like, okay, this is just like another like shoot 'em up, shoot 'em up sci-fi movie. Put it out there, you know, starring Denise Richards. Put her face all over it. She's hot, you know. <laughs> and it's, it doesn't get to the like cool nuances and the campiness and the and the yeah. humor of the movie. Well, one of the things also that he talks about when he talks about the film is like he didn't really give a shit about the actors. Like he didn't care if they were good actors or bad actors. He was going for the look. Yeah, uh, okay. He wanted to make allusions to Nazi Germany. Yes, and there's uh, a lot of He wanted them Nazi to look kind of like true. Aryan kind of race, like especially the main character. Um, and a lot of the costume design, a lot of the outfits that they were wearing are very similar to... Yeah. Um, to the Nazi movement and something that I thought was interesting is like there's a couple of like uh, there's a few uh, characters of color yeah and they don't fare very well but that's the just, that's the price of fascism you get your head bitten off by a bug well it's just like when you're like a person <laughs> that belongs to a minority group yeah. and when the majority in it's it's saying that they're gonna save you you're going to be the first to go. You're going to be the first if to go. If you're in line with the people who have been your oppressors forever, then you better bet that those people, your oppressors, are going to give you up in a time of yeah. crisis. So it doesn't fare either way. It's like, it's so that's why none of them end up faring, faring well. And I think it might be, I don't know if Verhoeven was doing this intentionally, because it yeah. could also be like the unfortunate cliche that you see in a lot of movies is like the same as like the gay characters and the latino or like characters of color many times end up getting killed that's so i don't know if verhoeven is actually taking i I would like to think he's being conscious about this because he's dealing with that you know he's making allusions to like nazi germany so maybe he's making some kind of allusion Mm -hmm. but it could also be just the damn stereotype that we always see but we can't forget about the unisex shower scene that scene oh. is fucking amazing. <laughs> I love that scene. Oh, okay. And it's very very Hovenish. I think I think yeah. it, it it's 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 part of what he does. He always has to bring like this sort of sexual over the top situations and, yeah. and I love it for it. Are there there's no dicks in this movie though. There's no. there's five pairs of titties we estimated. Yeah. I think my the only criticism I have about the movie is the length a little bit. Like I think it, there's a part there's parts of it where it kind of lags a little bit. It's two hours and nine minutes. Yeah, it's a. It little could have long. been a little bit shorter. It's a little long. It, um, but that's like my only gripe about it. One one interesting detail of this movie: actress Rue McClanahan from Golden Girls is in this movie. Yeah, she plays the teacher. She plays one of the teachers. Who's gonna? Do we see her tits? No, oh, we don't see her taste. damn it! All right, let's continue with 2000's Hollow Man. It tells the story of a creepo, shitty person scientist played by Kevin Bacon who abuses the powers of invisibility that he and his pals discover at the lab that they work at. Uh, this was Verhoeven's last Hollywood movie. He was so turned off by the studio's micromanaging of this film that he said bye-bye. Oh. Come back, Paul, please. <laughs> this film was panned by critics, but it was a box office hit. It even got a sequel starring a hard-for-cash Christian Slater. Oh the film was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, but lost. 
Oh, that's a shame because if you want to see the best scene of a gorilla turning inside out, basically, this is the movie to watch for you. That was an incredible scene. Yeah. I, I almost started crying, I think, just because of the visual effects of that scene. Yeah. I was, this was, okay, so Hollow Man I had never seen before. So I was really excited to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. And it was the first movie that I watched out of the whole batch of watching all the Verhoeven movies. So I was just really excited to watch this. And it maybe made me like it more than I should like it, but I really (laughs) love this movie. Okay. (laughs) Um, And maybe it's also because I'm, I'm a big Kevin Bacon fan, and he doesn't usually... You don't usually see him play a creepy... I mean, he's a rapist... He's mm-hmm. a rapist. He's he's an asshole. He's kind of like he's all the other male man, male characters in Verhoeven movies. In a lot of his movies, yeah. Um, he plays that evil Verhoeven man, um, but I think especially evil in this one because he turns into a psychotic killer at the end, which a lot of them don't. They're just rapists. Not that rape is any. Mm-hmm. Less bad than murdering somebody. Maybe it is a little bit. I don't know. They're kind of equal. But he goes on an all-out killing spree in this movie, and it really is satisfying to see somebody as what I think from interviews and everything I've seen of him, Kevin Bacon's a very sweet man, and he plays bad really good. Okay. Was this your first time seeing it? It's my first time, but I'm not fond of this movie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, I knew you weren't going to be. I do appreciate the special effects. The special effects are amazing. Yeah. But is the least Verhovenish movie of all of them. I think it's probably why he stopped uh, this was it, the it, end of Yeah, it was it it's, you know, the only scene that felt like I, I mean, of course there's tits in it. But even the scenes with tits in it didn't even feel it, it didn't have it didn't have that signature Verhoeven touch. The one scene maybe is when he's like touching the co-worker's the tits. The I first know. Scene, that's the one scene that felt kind of like Paul Verhoeven yes. doing his thing. That really. And it's mm-hmm. a little slightly more interesting at the beginning of the movie and it's it's a good premise and it could have been really good but I feel like at the end it just becomes such an average movie it towards becomes, the end. It's a ho- big Hollywood movie at the end. It's They're so just, boring. You can really tell. Like a, thriller, like a stupid horror thriller movie and it's not I, very I'm good. still down but it, there were so many like when they all split up to go find him. It's like no that's what every that's what you're not supposed to do and that they always do that in movies is you split up and everybody gets killed. And it's a very yeah. kind of like tame movie. Like, uh, actually, I've heard an interview with uh, Paul Verhoeven where he says that uh, he wanted to take this in, he really wanted to push the limits of what this Hollow Man guy could do. Mm-hmm. And he said that there were probably things that you couldn't even, that wouldn't, the studio would never let him show. Oh, really? And I think that's the part that the movie lacks. I think. Yeah. Paul Verhoeven, he's always committed with all his movies, and he always goes all the way. This movie doesn't go all the way. It feels kind of tame and restrained, and I think it could have been so much better if he would have allowed this character to really go all out crazy. Yeah, I almost think the murdering at the end of the movie isn't as 
scary as what could have been if Verhoeven had more control over the end. I agree with you. The beginning it builds suspense so much. And the special I love effects the is beginning. The, first thing you just, you see. <gasps> the beginning of this movie is just everything. You could just watch the first half and turn it off and just imagine the rest and what you think a Verhoeven movie would be. So Verhoeven's 2006 Dutch film, this marks his return back to Dutch filmmaking, is Black Book. It's a complicated war epic, romance, and thriller all in one. Rachel Stein is a Jewish-Dutch singer who ends up going undercover for the resistance after being fucked over by Nazis. However, her cover-up gets messed up when she gets honest with herself and with a supposed enemy. You know a film is worth seeing when it's tagged as dying pubic hair on IMDb. (laughs) The Dutch public, as they love to do with every new Verhoeven film, voted Black Book the best Dutch film of all time. Damn. (laughs) Yeah, best Dutch film of all... They keep doing that to all of his films. They're like, nope, this one. This is the best one. (laughs) So this was actually written... um, uh, by Verhoeven and Gerard Sotman, who is writing his new movie with him, Blessed Virgin. He wrote, helped write Flesh and Blood, Spatter, Soldier of Orange, The Fourth Man. Um, so this is kind of a return back to his old Dutch days of filmmaking. The cinematography is really luscious in this movie. Got to talk about that. It's really creamy. The colors mm-hmm. are beautiful. The palettes are grays and and just... I don't know what you think of when you think of World War Two and just depravity, and they really, um, but a lot of color at the same time. The yeah. scenes when they're in the um, the dance hall with the Nazis in the Hague district of of the Netherlands um, is very colorful and beautiful. So um, the cinematographer Carl Walter Linda Linda Laub, he also did Independence Day. He's like kind of mm. a Hollywood cinematographer but yeah it's really beautiful beautifully shot film yeah i i i agree i think it's it's a very good film um i was i was hesitant about this movie i think after my experience with soldier orange i was like oh god this is gonna be kind of boring too yeah so i didn't have like high expectations i was actually kind of dreading it i had hesitations i was like i have to yeah, I, know. <laughs> like, I didn't want to watch it, but I was pleasantly surprised, and and it was a really entertaining, uh, solid movie to watch. And I also like the fact that we have a female who is like the heroine who's taking us to yeah. story, and she is so good. Yeah, and she's an inc- it's just a great actress, the main actress. Um, and it's as a thriller, it's really good the way it keeps us. It keeps, you know, showing us different clues and and uh, a lot of things that confuse. Well, I mean, we know the truth as an audience, but we see how everyone else is so confused uh, in that world and how everyone's getting different information. But we are the ones who know the truth of what's actually going on. Yeah. And I like that. Mm-hmm. It's It's a very sort of, there's something classical about it. No, there's something. It reminds me of like a '90s movie for some reason. Yeah, but like an epic, awesome, mind-blowing '90s movie. Yeah. I don't know. There's something kind of a little old school about it, um, but is very. It's tight. It's it. 
it's very well done. Maybe a little too long. I have that written yeah. down. Yeah, it could be could um, be shorter. I also, in my notes, have it written down, described it as a trashy, melodramatic World War II action sex pulp romp. <laughs> and it kind of is, but there's a, now that I think back at it, it's, it's got some really beautiful, dramatic moments to it. Yeah. They're more heartfelt than can yeah. be. And I also, one thing that he really pushed with this movie is the grayness of all the characters. Yeah. Like... N- no, but not the characters, except to maybe the one character who assassinates his her family. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that just seems over like overly evil. Like there was nothing redeeming about him. Yeah. But all the other characters, uh, they were also. It was the same concept again. We see this. We see, it's a constant in his movies. They are also there because of survival. Yeah, there's a lot of greatness, and especially with the romantic entanglement that she ends up having with this German officer. officer. Yeah, it's unexpected. It's unexpected. And I, I love that twist in this movie. Yeah, and you know, and we get the same, and we get all the Rehovenish shit that we love. The erection. The erection as a gun. Do you remember that scene? That, that scene, <laughs> and, and just like her bleaching her... Her vagina. Her pussy hair, yeah. One thing that I have to say about Verhoeven, and this is why I think he's such an enigmatic and an effective director, and you see this from the beginning of his career, he has a knack for entertainment. He's yeah. not only an artist, he, doesn't, he not only has the concern of being on a tour, of showing... Uh, a different point of view and like a different aesthetic but he always wants people to have a good time yes i love all that his about movies him are, that's he why he gets shit entertain. on all the time though too i think that's part of why people are like no take him serious me suck yeah but i th- i wish there were more directors like that me too i wish more they, you know because unfortunately a lot of the directors that just want to entertain they're kind of sucky <laughs> many times yeah. right? and but he is there's 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 just a little bit more complex there's a lot of complexity and artfulness yeah. into entertaining and you know we can see we can see a lot of this like when we talk about for example Robocop how it kind of gives you both things you know it, yeah. it satisfies different audiences and in a way this one kind of does the same yeah he knows how to show people a good time pleasantly surprised by this film can we talk about one scene in particular though that really was out um i it was one of those types of scene scenes where your jaw just actually drops and you're speechless while you're watching the film shit buckets shit buckets (laughs) oh my god Oh, it's so gross. But oh. again, it goes again. We're in a Verhoeven movie where shit bucket happens. Uh, so that's towards the end of the film, right? Mm-hmm. Am I remembering this was one of the first movies I watched out of the group here? What's going? What's going on in the scene again? She's trying to escape. She's, she's trying to escape at this group of people who they think yeah. she's a traitor. Yes. They think oh. she's working for the Nazis, so and then or that she was working for the buckets Nazis. Buckets full of shit. I know. Up above in this warehouse, and they just get poured. Yeah. They get poured on top of her. 
yes. and she's covered and sitting in a pile of the most disgusting, steaming buckets of shit. Yeah. This is what, that must have been a really intense day of shooting. Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm, I hope it wasn't real shit. I don't yeah, think it was real not. shit, um, but it was probably something gross, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that scene really, it like, I was sorry, I was like, oh, it's getting really long, and then the shit buckets happened. You up. I was like, whoa. <laughs> it that, that's Verhoeven for you. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to make people, you entertain, People damn it. dismiss his use of, because he's a master of using kind of gags and like yeah. different situations and props and stuff. Yeah. People, that's entertainment. Yeah. He does it in the best way and I fucking yeah. love it. And, in and you know, kind of like going back to one of his earliest films that I think explained this a lot is when we have this movie, Katie's Passion. Mm-hmm. It's based in a novel by a populist um author mm-hmm. in a way Verhoeven is kind of like a populist director um, he wants to be I don't know he's he just manages to communicate with a range of audiences and I appreciate that yeah I think more people should see this movie um, yeah this is one of the few Verhoeven movies that you can probably recommend safely to your mom i don't know about that julian there's a lot of titties in this movie i mean it's mostly it's mostly the main actress's titties but they're she's she's letting them fall she's they're falling out of her shirt constantly and there's (laughs) the erection scene with the gun and i wouldn't want to watch that with my mom but you know that's depends on who your mom is i don't know i guess it depends for who your mom is Yeah. yeah Yeah. Oh, well. Okay. So maybe safe for moms. Verhoeven's most recent film, 2017's Elle, starring the sexiest French actors of today, Isabelle Hubert and Laurent Lafitte, tells the story of Michelle, a successful video game entrepreneur who is continuously assaulted by a mystery man. She never reports her assaults to the police, leaving the audience to wonder, is she down with it? Well, you gotta watch it to find out. This is Verhoeven's first and only French film, almost completely due to Hubert's being the only willing actress to play the role. No U.S. actress wanted to play badass and controversial Michelle. Based on the book, oh, dot dot dot, by Philippe Dijon, L won Best Foreign Language Film at the Golden Globes, and Uber won Best Actress at the Golden Globes as well. Ooh la la! What did you think? <laughs> I I loved L. I th- thought it was a very, very very solid film. Um, it definitely shows sort of like I don't want to use the word maturity, but how about old wine? <laughs> Uh, it's an aged it's like, a, what vintage is this movie kind of like there's yeah. an culmination of a lot of styles of filmmaking mm-hmm. uh, working coming from his Dutch films and you know mm-hmm. his American films and now he's working uh, with a French crew yeah and the results are, are are amazing it's got to me it's got like the production value and production design of some of his Hollywood films mm-hmm. he does. Um, but the cinematography is a little more similar to his Dutch films yes 
and the characters in the in L are just a culmination of almost all of the characters from all of his films mixed together into this incredibly complex, beautiful, stubborn, strong but weak woman, Michelle. She's one of the one of my favorite film characters of all time, I think. Mm-hmm. Really love her. And everything about her isn't just spelled out in front of you in the beginning you're always learning about her and still wondering about her after the movie's movie's over yeah and it really it's it opens with a rape that's not giving anything away but this is one of only Verhoeven could do could open a movie mid-rape it's not even the beginning or before the rape it's (laughs) mid-rape yes you hear it first and um, I think because of, there is a lot of, yes, there's a lot of rape in this movie. It's centered around assault. And though I absolutely love this movie, I don't think I would ever recommend it to anybody who's who would be triggered by that, who's been assaulted. Um, oh, I although I could see it being therapeutic for somebody out there. Maybe someone. Who's been through something like this. or I, I don't know, because her character is... So cathartic. I feel like he's Verhoeven's having a real, just like, this um, eureka moment in L. Well, and I, I also think that even though it's a very extreme character, and it's a very, and it's a very extreme situation. You know how many of us have, a, like, a psychopath killer dad? It's not the most relatable thing. No. Most of us don't deal with that or ever met someone who. Yeah. dealt with that situation but I think one of the things that this movie has is the psychological part of it and sort of like the we see more like character development in this character Yeah, and in a sense it works with the history that is presented to us of her past mm-hmm. um, I feel like Elle is accepting this abuse and and you know, like all this like assault that she gets from this unknown person who comes to her house, um, as a way of she feels like she deserves it because of her yeah. past. I think she thinks she deserves it. But then when her mom dies and her dad dies, she kind of finally gets liberated from that past and she kinda of realizes that fuck this shit I don't have to put up with it but it deals with self-destruction and Mm -hmm. it's something it's a very human emotion and a very human um, situation uh, that we many people want to punish ourselves for whatever things that we whatever baggage we have in our lives and obviously this is taken to an extreme Mm -hmm. and in a very peculiar way but it works like it makes sense uh for that character and for the movie yeah another thing i remembered that's not like um brought to the forefront in the film but it's it's kind of subtly mentioned is that she has an ex-husband in the film who she's still friends with and you know she has a son with him and so they see each other a lot he seems like a really nice guy, but it turns out that she actually left him because he hit her. Yeah. 
And so that's an interesting thing yeah. that you kind of forget kind of forget a little bit with everything else, the crazy stuff that's happening in this movie. But it's interesting to think about that, bringing that back. She left a man who's a seemingly nice man who she has a good friendship with and actually wants to be back together with because he hit her once. And now she's having this man assault her multiple times. She ends up knowing who this man is and is getting off on it. And is... Oh, yeah, she masturbates to him. Yeah. She looks out the window at the man who she knows is, has raped yeah. her yeah, and masturbates to him while yeah, he true. lights up the Christmas nativity that's scene true. with his wife. Um, so she's just... There are moments where I'm like, I don't I don't totally understand her as a person, but I think it is about punishment. I think it is about I, I, punishment. I understand it. I understand it. I feel like... It sounds, it's a very kind of like common sort of intimacy issue. Yeah. Like, mm. you know, she knows her husband. So if her husband's somebody that she knows that she's intimate mm. with. Yeah. Hits her, it's going to hurt her feelings. But right. if it's a complete stranger, someone that she doesn't even mm. fucking know, then it's not going to have the same effect. Right. And she, not, think, and she thinks she, she deserves it because not, of her she, other shit she's not, past. And she's not attached to that person. Yeah. There's also the whole religious element in this movie too. Um, it's um, it's a Christmas movie. Uh, <laughs> it's a Christmas movie, <laughs> and a lot of it centers around this Christmas. I mean, there's a very important scene where everybody's together, basically the ensemble cast at the Christmas Which party. Is, it's that Christmas party. Oh, I want to be at that Christmas party. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> something you got to watch that Christmas party. Um, and the neighbors are incredibly. Uh, the wife is incredibly Catholic, and they want to watch the Pope at Mass, and um, she's having a Christmas party, but she doesn't give a shit about religion. At the same time, there's a lot of. Um, yeah, and the her father, the psychopathic murderer, was a very diehard uh, Catholic, and he he would uh, put crosses on the children's heads before oh, yeah. they went to school, and the parents told him not to do that, and that's when he flipped. So there's this whole the Catholic guilt thing that he you've has, seen a lot of Verhoeven movies. Yeah, he's bringing that in here. It's like every <laughs> everything except for. Um, like blowing up eyeballs is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. There's also stuff about guns in this movie and like media and the whole video game company that she has created with her best friend. And they're making these horribly violent fantasy video games that, you know, teenage boys probably want to play. And they've, they're basically, they've hired all these young men to make the video games. It's really interesting. It's this very interesting power dynamic of these two older women having control over all these young men, which is really sexy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think some of the young men in the movie think it's sexy, too. Definitely one of them does, who ends yeah. up putting her face on one of the video game characters. Yeah. I gotta say, this movie definitely be belongs to Isabel Hubert. Like, she is just amazing and um actually uh paul verhoeven said that he barely had to do anything uh, yeah in terms of like directing her he was kind of like letting her and he was wise it was a good decision to make um i really appreciate a lot of the actors in this movie i was especially fond of judith mcgray who plays the mom i thought she was oh. fantastic she was so good 
I just love everything about her. Yeah. I, I just love everything about her. Her, her her makeup is great too. I love her makeup and her outfits. Mm-hmm. And but she's just like a great performer. And mm-hmm. I also love Laurent Lafitte. Uh, mm-hmm. Lafitte, yeah. He was not only really attractive in a really creepy way, but still pretty hot. But he was just a really good fucking actor. He was just so good at There's something about that. his face where he's yeah. like, "I'm innocent, but I'm bad. I'm innocent, yeah, something but like I'm that. bad." I mean, mm-hmm. he's not that that character only has two sides. He's got a lot of sides to him, and apparently, his wife knew about all of his disturbed sides yeah. and didn't say anything or warn anybody. So, that's hey, so I guess we're getting a lot of conversations about being, being hypocritical. Yeah. And like religious people being hypocritical, mm-hmm. which is yeah something that we all dealt in every, through history. Yeah. There's a lot of things to say about this film, um, about each character. This is another ensemble cast mm-hmm. kind of movie, and I think he perfected it in L. Um, each character and each actor playing those characters is just, it's made for them, and... Yeah, they do such a great job. Um, the camera work in this movie I really love. Mm-hmm. It's handheld camera throughout the whole film, which gives it this very voyeuristic mm-hmm. view, which is you're always, you always have this feeling of like, am I supposed to be looking at this? I'm looking through somebody's window. It's a lot mm-hmm. about peeping through windows yeah. and looking in and out of windows, rear window kind of reference. I think Verhoeven really likes Hitchcock. I haven't yeah. read anything about that, but I I'm always sure see he Hitchcock stuff in his movies. Um, so yeah, I really love the cinematography in this movie. Sometimes I kind of, well, I've been wondering if maybe um, Verhoeven has also kind of like a love for Isabel Huppert's Michael Haneke movie, The Piano Teacher. Because mm-hmm. this character kind of reminds me a little bit of that character, and especially because that character in that movie also has a really she has a really weird dysfunctional relationship with her mom. Oh really? Yeah, I have never and seen it's the piano teacher. Gotta, we gotta watch <laughs> the movie, and it's kind of interesting how this character also has a very dysfunctional uh, relationship Family. with her mom. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's a very tight thriller, kind of what we saw in Basic Instinct, but I guess a more elegant version. It's very that. elegant. I think you're right about the wine thing. Yeah. It's a nice aged, or maybe it's a port, yeah. or a whiskey. It's an aged whiskey. I don't know. Uh, I don't it's know. an aged liquor. That's for sure. An aged, yeah. <laughs> So, Julian, we watched all 15 feature-length Paul Verhoeven movies, French, American, and Dutch, and now we're going to rank them. This is what everybody's been waiting for. This is it, Kaylin. This is the moment we've been waiting for, and I say let's get to it. So, we're going to do a top 10 countdown. There's uh, 15 movies in total, but we're going to do 10 to 1, and then we're going to give... All of you are golden turd, which is the our each of our least favorites. So Julian and I have created our own separate lists. I don't know what his list is. He doesn't know what my list is. We're unveiling them to each other now that we've talked about each movie. Let's do this. All right, number ten, Turkish delight. 
Business is business. Oh! Number nine, I have Hollow Man. Turkish delight. Oh, almost. Okay, okay. Number eight, I have Katie's Passion or Katie Tapel. Black Book. Oh. <laughs> Number seven, I have Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Oh my god, seven was the same. Number six, Flesh and Blood. Showgirls. Oh, okay. Number five, Showgirls. Total Recall. Ooh. Number four, Total Recall. Basic Instinct. Oh, you got that up there. Number three, The Fourth Man. L. Oh. Number two, Robocop. The Fourth Man. Oh. Number one, my number one is L. Robocop. Whoa! <laughs> Very similar. Yeah. And now we're going to mention the movies that didn't make it to the top 10 and the official winner of our Golden Turd. Oh boy. Can't wait to. Number see. 11, Spetters. Basic Instinct. Number 12, Katie's Passion. Black Book. Number 13, Flesh and Blood. Diary of a Hooker. Number 14, Soldier of Orange. Spetters. And the winners of the Golden <laughs> Turd Award. My number 15, Hollow Man. Oh, shit. <laughs> Damn, that was my number... Um, nine. Okay, well, my number 15 golden turd is Soldier of Orange. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so to reiterate, our number ones, I have L, Julian has... Robocop. Robocop. So L and Robocop really win. Robocop was my second choice. Okay. What was your second choice? The fourth man. The fourth man. So Al Robocop, fourth man. Fourth man was my third choice. Those are the best. And they all made it. We, we got yeah. the same three. No, top, top three. Top three. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did have, you know, Hollow Man was my number nine. I thoroughly had fun. He really pulled out his entertainment muscles in that movie. <laughs> I don't know. To me, that's just the most insipid of all his movies. It is pretty. It is. But, you know, okay. I was kind of torn between Soldier Orange and Hollow Man. Okay. Because Soldier Orange, I did find it incredibly boring. Yeah. But I just... Like the fact that she was that he was being free to do whatever he wanted, yeah, and I just hated seeing so restricted in Hollow Man. It's true. I, that's I get why it. I picked Hollow Man. I get it. I get it. But I was tempted between Soldier Orange. I'm not a big fan of that one. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. All right, so Hollow Man and Soldier of Orange they get the Golden Turd Award. They do. But that doesn't mean that we wouldn't recommend them. Would you recommend Hollow Man for anybody to watch? I would recommend Hollow Man for someone to watch if they have curiosity on Paul Verhoeven's. No, not even. <laughs> they can skip that movie if they like Paul Verhoeven. I would only recommend it for people that want to see really good special effects. I think that's the only good thing about that movie, I think, for me. Yeah. Um, Soldier of Orange. I mean, I, 
I feel like I'm missing out because it's known as a good movie, and I I just didn't. I just didn't couldn't get into it, and it might just be one of those movies that all the critics love it. It's got all these awards, and you just and it just doesn't click with you. It might just be one of those. Yeah, I didn't connect with it, but I'll be up to watch it again, and maybe next time I watch it, I might have a different experience. Uh, Would I recommend it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't not recommend like. Like if someone's looking for movies about Nazis in Dutchland, that's probably the movie you might want to watch. Yeah. So yeah, you know, Steven Spielberg loved it, loved and for it. people that like to watch war movies and like that kind of theme, so they might dig it. So thanks for listening, everyone. Feel free to follow up with us on our social media. And comment with your own lists and suggest- suggestions, and then you can you can post up your your top fifteen Verhoeven films too. It takes a while to watch all of them, so you can't make your list unless you've watched all of them. Um, next month we'll be ranking every Lynn Ramsey film, and that concludes part three of episode one, covering the filmography of Paul Verhoeven. <laughs>